On this week's episode of the We've Seen That Podcast, we're talking about The Truman Show. I'm Scott. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. music we are back for our 22nd episode uh continuing with guest week we've got we've got a very special guest this week uh the the better half to to was it was he our first guest i believe so ever he was okay so the so the better half to ben um we're gonna we're on on this valentine's day they're taking time out of their day to, to actually, you know, come on the greatest podcast in the world and become the first power couple to be on the show. It is Amber. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I like that introduction. Better half. Yeah, I, I, tr- I, try, to, I try to hype everyone up, you know, going into the show. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited. This, this is a fun movie that we get to talk about, um, you know, one, one I actually hadn't seen before. So uh, we're going to go right into what we're watching I'm going to start, um, you know, I, re, in reality, the one thing I'm watching is my weight. Um, <laughs> with busy season, <laughs> busy season starting, my, my eating habits have been so bad. Um, I, every time I come home, it's about nine o'clock. I, I drive past that Taco Bell and I'm like, you know what? I think that's going to be my dinner. So uh, just just as like a, a future me call out when I'm listening in the car in the morning to say, Scott, watch your weight because uh, it's it's time to eat a little bit better. The second thing that I'm watching is Cecil Hotel. Has anybody else been dabbling in the Cecil Hotel? I saw a trailer for it and it looks really creepy. That's like a true crime thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's something. Uh, there's a there's a scene where where basically uh, this the girl a girl who went missing. She was like in an elevator, and that whole scene is worth watching the the show for. Basically, her her body movements of like what was happening before she was abducted, the weirdest thing ever. Either she was on LSD, or uh, there were definitely ghosts involved in this because like the elevator doors stay open for like three straight minutes, and then as soon as she walks out, it just slams shut, and you're like, what the shit? But anyway, um. I haven't finished it yet, and I'm getting there. Jim, do we now want to talk about... Let's talk about The Bachelor. Yeah, because we're I the only two that watch it, I think. Unless what, Amber what, watches uh, it. I don't know. I do not. Okay, you don't, you're not missing much. <laughs> Jim, oh, yeah, that random the blonde girl, girl came this week. In her white yeah, minivan. So, so, yeah, they she, probably some of the worst acting I've ever seen. All the producers were like, Heather, what are you doing here? Like, And, and they were like... They pretended like they were gonna make her quarantine and stuff, and like it was just so bad. You knew, like she was a plant for sure. It's it's the same thing they did earlier in the season, except that time they had five extra girls show up, and this time they only had one. And yeah, but uh, I I don't know. It seems re- tacky now, and there's been already- additional drama about this Rachel girl. 
Oh no! Did, yeah. did you hear um, about this? And, Chris Harrison is yeah. stepping away from the after the final rose talk show thing. He made some he comments. De- he defended that were her. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, not a great time for the Bachelor, uh, especially when it's it's your first black male lead and you're getting this much issues around the show. Not great. So I don't know how this is going to end, but I I I do feel like that rachel girl is going to be in it for the long haul yeah and i think, I think that's she what's going to make far. this crazy yeah so um but i guess that's our update nothing else crazy kind of happened did it no i don't think so okay and then um i'll save wandavision so uh let's amber let's go to you right. what were you watching this week or whatever you want to talk well about. This week, my husband and I, Ben, we watched some shows together and we've been kind of in a comforting mood where we want to just go back to old things we've seen before and revisit it. So we've been either going with comedy with Seinfeld right from the beginning, consecutive episodes all the way through. I think we're on season four Um, and then otherwise Walking Dead, which is kind of a favorite of ours. And we're also on a very comforting show. (laughs) (laughs) For us, yes. Um, and then also when I get moments to myself, which I hardly do, I watch Outlander. It's not really Ben's cup of tea, um, but I've really been enjoying that. And I've been been marathoning that one, and I'm on season, going on season five, I believe, with that one. That to- that, that one's w- a Showtime premium one, right? Um, I believe, yeah, oh no, Stars. Well, I think it's on Stars, but the first four seasons are on Netflix now. Yeah, because Angie was watching that one for a while, too, and she bounced off of it a little bit. Uh, I think she got through midway in season one. Would you say it gets better after season one? Yeah, I would say season two is kind of a throwaway season, and then it kind of picks back up again. Yeah, Because I know the one episode that I have seen, it was at Comic-Con, and they released the first episode of the third season ahead of time um, to let us watch it there. And... If anyone knows my stories about Comic-Con, we generally get out on the sidewalk to wait in line to get in at two in the morning. So I, I napped through all of it. And I feel bad because it seems to have some both sci-fi and romance things. Well, which you've got to kind of cool. kinda know this. I mean, I wouldn't imagine jumping in to the third season. You'd really know too much about what's going on. So that makes sense. It was a little tough, but like yeah. we wanted to keep our seats in this ballroom for the next panel that was coming up. So sadly, I did nap through most of it. But you would say season three and four are really good? Yeah. Yep. It's you, You've got to really let your mind go and just accept the, the kind of out there storyline because it is pretty out there. It's about time travel, but um, but it's entertaining for sure. Clever. As far as some of the things we watch, time travel, very low on the out there <laughs> scale. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Anthony, let's go to you, because Jim, I think you just have WandaVision, is that right? Yeah. Okay, Anthony. Yes. Um, quickly, Amber, are you a fan? Have you seen um, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Years ago, I know it's one of Ben's favorites, and we have all the DVDs, but I haven't had a chance to just kind of get into it. Yeah, because I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, too, so like Larry David's show. I do know his HBO voice, is... and so I know that on Seinfeld, when he does like a caller on the telephone or, you know, somebody saying something in the background, I'm like, oh, I know that's Larry David. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But I haven't watched um, Curb yet, no. Yeah, so I just started Curb on HBO Max, and so far, like, the first season, it's a little dated, you can tell, because it's kind of an older show. It kind of took off right 
a couple years, I think, after Seinfeld ended, I believe. So, but um, but yeah, it's it's hilarious. Larry David, he's just terribly awkward in the show, but it's just still funny because it reminds me of like the same vibe Seinfeld gave off, which I love. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm like about five episodes. Didn't Larry in, David sure. once say that like George is kind of the embodiment of him in real life? I think I might have heard that. I think so. Yeah, and just it truly embraces a show about nothing. I just <laughs> it's I love it. Um. But anyway, uh, so yeah, other than WandaVision, which I'm sure we'll dig into, um, yesterday I was a little busy, so I started um, Judas and the Black Messiah, the new movie Warner Brothers put out on HBO. Um, I'm about 35 minutes in. It is fucking incredible. Um, it's a, I'll give you the kind of the rundown. It's, a, it's the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his faithful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. I'll admit, I don't think I've really ever heard of Fred Hampton. Obviously, you've heard of, like, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but this was another, like, kind of big um, Black Panther Party leader um, in Illinois. He was only 21. I was, like, just doing some quick Googling um, when he was assassinated, and that just amazes me because, like, if I was 21 years old, I don't think I'd be rallying, like, huge groups of people for, like, cultural reform and, like, you know, all sorts of, like, like just big-time, like, speeches. Like, I don't know. It's That just really impressed me. Like, it's play, he's played by Daniel Kaluuya. A shout-out to our Get Out podcast. Yes. Um, He's fantastic. It's probably the best thing I've seen him in, to be honest. And I don't know if whenever we get to some sort of awards season, if he does not get recognized, I will be truly surprised. You know, I think it's it's safe to say this. I think for right now, let's just announce it. Episode 24, that's going to be our movie, Jim and Anthony. (laughs) Hey-oh. Because I I know it was on the, the... the outline but just from the hype i've been hearing around it we gotta we gotta discuss this one so um episode 24 will be judas and the black messiah so. perfect that's i can't wait i'll super excited i don't want to give away then too much. like i said i'm only about half an hour in so i don't really have much to to kind of touch on right away but yeah from first impressions it's it's awesome it's an amazing movie okay before we get into wandavision jim um can you please talk about your pokemon card uh happy meal excursion oh yeah so on tuesday (laughs) uh this year is the 25th anniversary of pokemon and so on tuesday they released in happy meals uh pokemon card packs they did this once in the early 2000s as well um when pokemon was still kind of in its infancy so to speak uh but it's been a major problem we we got in line we got four happy meals and in each happy meal you get (laughs) one pack of four (laughs) cards it's all the starter pokemon from each generation and then pikachu so there's 25 pokemon and they are all released in a regular print and in a hollow foil so there's 50 total cards and some people are going to mcdonald's and purchasing they say i want as many happy meals as you have pokemon card (laughs) packs and buying in a single transaction all of the pokemon cards now, the really shitty people are then throwing out the food, which is just yeah. wasteful it's, and terrible. And, like, so this is America. ruining it for kids, too, right? Like, we got four Happy Meals, which was maybe a little excessive, but, like, I can't find another McDonald's in, like, 25 miles that has Pokemon cards left. They're all gone. Wow. 
Um, well, and like so, the the better people who are doing this, who are buying out an entire store, they're at least giving the food to homeless people. So kind of making up a little bit for their terrible karma. But yeah, adults like me are ruining this for kids everywhere. So, so you say that now, but like you have to understand with the once COVID hit, I swear the collectibles market went through the freaking roof because sports cards that sell for like twenty dollars a box in Walmart. Some of those are going on like resale markets for $150, $160. So the retail like industry with with you know sports cards, Pokemon cards, it's it's literally non-existent anymore. Those cards come in, they go out. I have a buddy who has a what he calls the plug at Walmart. Mm-hmm. The the manager from Walmart texts him puts them in the back of the uh i'm probably screwing his plug by saying this on the most famous podcast in the world but <laughs> no, just don't drop um, any names and we should be right okay. right so he's putting the the cards in the back of the store and and then when my buddy comes in he hands them to him but like there's some sort of cash being exchanged in the back alley here oh, and Jesus. i don't know what it is <laughs> so like that's where we're at with like pokemon with sports cards like there's no kids in it anymore, Jim. That's Once there was Walmart profit level to be made, shit too. Like I do Funko Pops, or I used to do Funko Pops a lot, and they do Walmart exclusive ones. And you want to know what you never see at Walmart? The Walmart exclusive Funkos, because people are selling them out the back door, it's, or people are know, literally following around the delivery drivers until they it's, stock it's, the shelves. It's bonkers to me that like a, a card could sell for a mortgage payment like a mortgage down payment it's just yeah. unreal to me i you know i back in the day i anthony and i and my brother we were really into sports cards so like we'd have no chance we couldn't buy anything right now you'd go to the store and it's like oh garbage pail kids is the only thing that's available like that's <laughs> what's there now so it doesn't surprise me that we've got assholes throwing away mcdonald's food because they want a few pokemon cards so. super quick fun fact about garbage pail kids so it's they're made by this guy the art's done by this guy and i forget his name i'll have to google it in a second but he's also done one of the most influential uh like graphic novels called mouse it's where uh nazis are cats and jews in germany are mice and it's all told in this interesting format so the guy who does wow. that also does garbage pail kids so he's got quite the brain, huh? Yeah, quite the range. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think okay. I read that, or dis- we did that in high school, I think, Mouse. It's by Art Spiegelman. Yeah. Sounds, sounds very right. familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed right. to be very good. I haven't, I've read the yeah, first graphic was... novel, but not the second. Anyways, WandaVision. Okay. Yeah, Amber, have you been watching WandaVision? I haven't, but I have seen the previews. I know that it's Elizabeth Olsen, right? The younger sister mm-hmm. of the Olsen twins. Yep, yep. So how much can we spoil here? Do you plan on watching it? <laughs> With the little time that we have, we probably won't get around to it, so you can go ahead. Okay, mm-hmm. we're safe. Yep. So so this, this week's episode um, was basically... Oh, man. Bring me back here, Jim. Oh, this is the one where... Um, Vision's starting to kind of figure out that shit's getting a little bit weird. Now, last week, did we talk about uh, the new X-Men guy coming? Yeah, we did because... Uh, we, we did, okay. It, it, it It's the great jumping off point for um, them folding that X-Men into the Marvel Universe. Uh, yeah. The only problem I have, we get a lot of him in this episode. 
And yeah. the coolest thing that he does in the X-Men First Class universe is the slow-mo scenes where in reality he's running super fast. And they didn't do a single they one of those. Of those. Like the, no. the animation of him running around. And I don't know if it was to make it the theme of the episode, like the 90s theme or whatever. But it looked like trash. And it made me mad. <laughs> I think maybe they did that to kind of fit that theme. But I agree. Like, I just it might have been a little fan service, but I would have loved it. Just to give us a little, like, you know, classical music playing like they tend to do in those scenes. And then just him, like, slow motioning around everybody, moving th- shit around. There also I... wasn't much of a point to it in this episode where they were running around quick. Because it was also the yeah. stealing candy. Halloween episode. Yeah, that would have been the only time I think it would have worked super well. Right. I did, I did, I like the uh, Malcolm in the Middle kind of vibes, though, that they had going on in this episode, Mm -hmm. to me, so that was a lot of fun, but. I think it's clear, though, that something's up with him, like, just from some of the dialogue, too, like, didn't he say, like, towards, especially the one where he said something like, you know, your husband's dead already, he can't die again, or something like that, and she pushes him away. And she gets a flash of him dead again. It's it's her subconscious, to me, is what it is. Um, But I don't know, it it does kind of seem like they're setting up for something big, but like then you had this whole, she just straight up expanded the universe, which was pretty pretty wild when people were just turning into clowns and cars were turning into like i don't know like donut stands and shit that was wild and like the cars were like out driving the the force field to try to survive so that was kind of cool um i don't know where these next two are gonna go i have no idea So who do you think is um rambo's like like lead yeah I don't know. She mentioned something like about oh my contact is here or something. I have a feeling it's Fury. If I ha- that that's my first guess. But Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. It's be interesting. We will find I don't know. out. Yeah, we're in for a couple couple good weeks, I think, for sure. Okay. Um now I'm gonna bring on the the high porn uh brought to you by brought to you by Amber and Ben's daughter's toy. So uh, <laughs> oh, that thing. <laughs> yeah, it probably brings things... back some terrifying memories. I bet too, <laughs> annoying ones maybe. Ben Ben had to find batteries yes. for it the first time we had it on the live show, so which I'm sure uh, everyone regretted once your daughters realized there were batteries back in it again. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> All right, Jim. So what are we getting hyped about? Um, I see on here this Velma show that I'm very curious. Uh, if you could explain, please. So HBO has ordered an adult animated series, is how they describe it, of an origin story of Velma Dinkley from Mystery Inc. She's going to be voiced <laughs> by Mindy Kaling. It's still in development, and I. what makes Mystery Inc. work is the team. Uh, Define adult. Like, where are they going with this? That's the question. If it's like the Harley Quinn animated show they did, it's going to be raunchy and dirty and funny, and that's not what I want out of Mystery Egg. You can't just screw Scooby-Doo, one of the all-time classics. Like, you can't take that and just ruins you'd be ruining my childhood if like (laughs) if you're gonna screw scooby-doo up like that because i freaking love scooby-doo every like i used to watch it all the time so don't tell me that we're gonna make this weird with some mindy kaling swearing or something as velma dinkley i think mindy Mindy kaling is the best thing about this i think she's got the voice for it um yeah i'm yeah 
confused by the story and and it's all because they called it adult animated i don't know what that means (laughs) i I was gonna say like i think she's a great choice but i i saw this too and i the first thing i thought is like okay they made it a point to put like adult animated show (laughs) i don't know adult on hbo too that's never good (laughs) who knows where we're going but um okay well i should ask too amber do you have any any hype Hype horn material? I don't necessarily know what qualifies as hype horn material. Movie or uh, TV okay. news? Big or umbrella. just something you're, or just something you're hyped about? Oh well, I have something under news, I suppose. I did watch that uh, yeah. Britney Spears documentary. Have either of you, any of you oh guys, seen gosh. that? Mm-mm. I've heard it's uh, something else, but I've watched it only because I figured it'd kind of go along with the Truman Show kind of voyeurism, watching you know how fame affects someone's life. So I kind of give myself that homework um but it was it's pretty sad it's yeah so i figured that well because kind of her dad like took all financial control of her right after she kind of had her breakdown from until too much just fame. maybe yesterday i think there was some court case yesterday where it's now split between him and a bank maybe um, but yeah it's it's basically about how her life kind of got spun out of control and then it's all um controlled by other people now and free britney and all that stuff it's it's really sad it makes you feel bad for her instead of way back when it was happening people kind of went down on her oh she's crazy but but no really she's kind of a victim yeah Yeah. and we see it with child stars too where like sometimes they live in the limelight so Mm -hmm. much that they never get to have a normal life and that's Mm -hmm. kind of why they end up sometimes spiraling out of control which is just sad Think about, okay, think about it this way. Think about yourself as a 21, 22-year-old with unlimited money funds, Jim. Would you have done something pretty stupid? I Like, <laughs> what Justin Bieber has done is mild compared to what I would have done. Like, it, when you have that kind of fuck you money, like, I feel like as in that brain mentality of, like, I can do whatever I want, I I would have done some some really bad shit. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Well, I would be ruining Pokemon cards for children is what I'd be doing. (laughs) I'd be buying them all. (laughs) You talk talk about like all these people at McDonald's. You'd buy corporations of McDonald's and just like. Oh, I'd open a McDonald's just so I could have them. You know, on the off chance they ever bring Pokemon cards back as the Happy Meal toy. Right, right. So I think we're, we're a little quick to judge celebrities because we absolutely cannot be. We can't put ourselves in their shoes is is part of it but um okay and jim i saw on here the last of us characters revealed yeah so uh based on the playstation uh game the last of us has now cast their joel and ellie and respectively they are pedro pascal and bella ramsey which i had to look up she plays liana mormont the young mormont girl in game of thrones she's not done too much else she makes me very excited about this after the last performance we've seen of Pedro Pascal, I'm a little bit worried about him. Help, help me out. Who's Liana Mormont? She's uh, the little girl that ends up stabbing the giant in the eye. But her main, her first break was like when John and Sansa visit them and they're trying to rally the North, like to reunite okay. under House Stark again. And then she's just, she's like the little girl in charge of the Mormont family oh, and she's just yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. bad yeah. at like she's just really okay. stern you know yeah, yeah she's oh, like yes. we have 15 warriors or something and they will all <laughs> right pledge so to the stars she's each a... each mormont man is worth about like 10 normal yeah. ones or something yeah. she's a perfect ellie then 
if you follow the story I, of the game. Well, like know? Jim said, I I'm kind of excited for the fact that it's kind of a she's kind of an unknown. Like she got a huge like cult following for her performance in Game of Thrones, but like I haven't really honestly seen her in anything else. I mean, if I if I really tried to, obviously I'm sure she's done other things, but yeah, like a a relative unknown, I think kind of helps you know almost like the star wars effect like they usually get people that haven't really done much um so i'm hoping yeah she can kind of steal the show as ellie would be really cool right and i was reading a headline today that this it's not gonna follow the game perfectly and i'm wondering what that means because like the game or the two games now cover a pretty large span of time and it's not like when you're playing a video game it's not like you lose track of a character for a period of time where there's going to be a new story i know anthony played it and i know amber you you guys do playstation as well have you guys played last we have that one we have that one it's been a few years but yes i do have have that one did did you enjoy it i mean i know it's kind of a brutal story yeah yeah definitely the ones that have like a storyline and it's not just all you know shoot them up combat those are really really the ones that we kind of go for so this right. would be interesting to see. We would we would know. We would have a reference of, of that. I, I kind of bounced off of the game. I tried it a couple months ago, and I am not a third-person shooter thing. I have a problem aiming when that's the case. <laughs> so I, I play my Call of Duty, and that's where I ex- quote-unquote excel, even though I suck at that too. But so I don't know. I, I may just end up watching the show and not playing the game. I think I th- Pedro Pascal is going to surprise. I, I think, think he sure really hopes it would be could be good um yeah i heard it it was just like a rumor it's not even a rumor i don't think it's just like someone was saying who could play joel's brother and someone mentioned um i could i'm gonna struggle with his name but it's the guy that plays jamie uh, jamie yeah nikolai casterwalder yeah so two lannisters in the show well it'd be three people from game of thrones but yeah, with HBO I tends Pedro Pascal was in it too. Why not? Yeah, Why HBO not? tends to do that though. They have a couple, you know, people that play multiple characters, you know, in different shows. You mm-hmm. know, a lot yeah. of. So I mean, I think he'd be great as Joel's well, brother. He kind of fits you... the look and. Yeah, I mean, and hell, it'll get people to watch it if you throw some people in there from a familiar series. So. Agreed. True. All right, Jim. Last piece. This headline, I had to do a triple take on. The director of the Watchmen HBO show, Nicole Cassell, has been tapped to direct a Wizard of Oz remake. Oh my god. I think this is destined for failure. No. Okay, this is like under the same umbrella as that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prequel (laughs) of unnecessariness. Um, Like, is this going to be like the Gatsby remake where we just go for trippy as hell type? Uh, scenario i bet was that's gatsby kind of a remake though well there was the original great gatsby uh bat oh god when was that made Long i didn't even know ago. that well leonardo dicaprio yeah. is in the newest one right the newest but yeah no the gats great gatsby had an older movie i believe because there's a scene where someone gets run over by a car in the great gatsby is that true mm-hmm that's that's the big scene yeah i remember because our english teacher was kind of a, a maniac at the time and when we were watching the old one he paused the the scene where the person got hit by the car so you could like see where the third wheel was like under the fake body because it was so poorly done and he wanted to like point that out so that it was technically a remake it wasn't a good 
first movie by any stretch, but um, I I only Anthony, I'm gonna pull out a name for you here. Do you remember Paige from when we went to grade school? Yeah. Do you remember when we went to the uh, the a play of The Wizard of Oz and Paige was in it and she played a uh, uh, a, a Munchkin or whatever and she could say the follow the yellow brick road like super funny that goofy yeah voice I that is I good. she probably hates me now because when I was in second grade I think I asked her to say it every single day because I was like so this so cool so I, I would always say say the thing again <laughs> so. Paige, if you're listening, I, I bet I bet you are one of the fifty thousand. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. This, uh, I guess, this is on on the unnecessary category. James. I I will say though, I loved the Watchmen show. Not sure how any of you saw. I I, really I loved it, it too, but yeah, th- I I don't know if she's gonna make it in that style because that right. style I don't think like that super dark, gritty, very weird. Like techno noir music. Exactly. Like, is that going to work yeah. for a Wizard of Oz remake? I mean, <laughs> who knows? Wizard of Oz. Th- this is again one of those properties where, like, I was reading in the articles, people claim that it is the mo- the most watched movie of all time, via re-releases in theaters, uh, on TV, and on streaming. That this movie has been watched the most ever, and that seems like mm. something you don't you don't mess with. But people do what people want right yeah yeah if anything that's just gonna cement it as the most watch because it'll get some rewatches as well so. yeah you'll have it to like strikes me, double feature it yeah and maybe not because of the length but just the story i think i mean i don't know i've never seen the show oz on hbo but this is the type of movie i think they could make a tv show out of just based on like the stuff they could fill in and the original length of the movie is it's pretty long i think isn't it like yeah, I think it is. And also, I mean, they've done multiple other plays, too. Like, there was uh, Wicked, Son of a Witch, mm-hmm. and then there was The Wiz, obviously, which was a reinterpretation or retelling already. And then wasn't there a fourth show, even, that was related? I'm coming up blank here. But this universe is a little bit fleshed out. Like, yeah, th- I, I'm not... If it's a true remake... Like, that's probably the best thing for them to do, other than trying to expand the universe more, honestly. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll see, I guess. Lots, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to now hand the, the reins off to Jim, who is going to be leading our movie for the week, because uh, my I have space brain. And uh, yes, my fiance, every night that I come home, I can barely formulate a sentence. <laughs> so, uh, Jim, take over for me, please. And... Uh, uh, the reins are yours. Okay, so we're this week we're reviewing The Truman Show. It was originally released in 1998, directed by Peter Weir, written by Andrew Nichol, starring Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, and Laura Linney. An insurance salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show. Uh, it's currently available to stream on both Hulu and Prime, for those of you that have it. And it's such a unique story. I was... I had never seen this coming into it. Anthony and Amber were the only ones who had. And I was kind of taken aback by how unique this idea actually was. Yeah. um, Can I lead off by asking Amber what made you pick this movie? I love movies that make you think. I, I love twists at the end that aren't like huge twists, but 
being surprised, being creativity, something that's kind of never thought before. I like diving into that sort of universe and, you know, originality and very, very, very entertaining as well. Cause I'm a, I'm a Jim Carrey fan too. Absolutely. Yeah. I just quickly too, I hope we kind of, I'm sure we will discuss this movie is fantastic. Um, but it's very satirical look at like American life at the same time too. Mm-hmm. And I was just like doing some like, you know, re- just half ass like kind of research on it. And it's, it's been studied too many times. There's a lot of like things when you start to think about it, like, yes, everyone else, you know, I don't want to give away much, but like certain characters, you know, they're in it for the long haul. And I just kind of, <laughs> there's a couple questions I just want to bring up about, you know, people related to Truman and we'll get into that stuff, but it, a very thought provoking movie for sure. Well, I have read that is, isn't this some, it's, it's, borderline a mental illness that some people experience is the truman effect that's really? been an actual study since the movie came out certain... like they gave it the term in in the name of the movie it's not an it's not an actual like i don't think it's an actual diagnosis but there have been people who study that some people believe that their life is essentially a show and the characters around it are like plants basically so uh, in 2013, there was a pretty serious study. I don't know who who it was done by, but uh, yeah, it's apparent. Like apparently, some people believe this same exact thing is happening to them, which would be an uncomfortable feeling to say the least. <laughs> well, what you guys don't know is when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I interview myself in the mirror. This is exactly how my life is. You guys are all just hmm. characters in my show. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, movie starts out with opening credits which i actually really liked given the theme of what we're doing um it's starring truman burbank played by jim carrey as himself um and we just get this situation where for ten thousand nine hundred and nine days hidden cameras in a dome built over a man-made city have been watching this one man from the instant he was born to i believe it said he was 30 years old uh exactly they've been watching him and broadcasting it 24 hours a day to the entire world nothing you see on this show is fake it's merely controlled is what the director comes and says which is a lie (laughs) right (laughs) we come to learn um talk about i had to kind of look and make sure that like maybe this wasn't based on some sort of short novel or book but this is an original piece written by andrew nichols so it's like you know hollywood gets a bad rep for maybe nowadays nothing original but this is like as original as it gets it's big brain yeah i mean i think about a show like a tv show you're literally just watching human life and the guy doesn't know it i mean that would just be it would be like the most you know you'd be narrowed into that thing like every day of every week and these people that we see you know watching are it's interesting i don't want to say it's an ethical conundrum because i think we can all kind of agree that this is likely an unethical thing to do but getting to there's some weird interest that everyone has with watching someone else right like it's like the looking over your fence at your neighbors you know oh he cuts his lawn to three inches and i cut mine to two and a half or something like that or i do my diamond pattern and my other neighbor doesn't I only say that right. because I watch my neighbors to see when they snow blow, so I know it's an appropriate <laughs> time of the morning. 
I think I think it was ahead of its time because if if you if back then obviously social media wasn't as big as it was, but it's like a microcosm of how most people live their lives is you know monitoring what other people do. You know, if you, if you look at the way social media is now, which I would argue getting slightly out of control, this movie does a great job of kind of describing how a lot of people do think and like are more interested in what some other people do than what they do themselves. So, right. And I don't know if we want to discuss, I'm just going to bring this up. If we want to take this on right now or wait a little bit, but we were talking about like the ethics behind it. They mentioned these were unwanted children that they choose from or like unwanted right. births. So these kids right. are either going to go into foster care or whatever we assume for who right. knows how long. But they take one and essentially give him, quote unquote, the perfect, safe life. So then you have to decide, well, is it is that good to like try to help or, you know, you quote unquote, help this kid have this perfect life or should this they should have the free will to, you know, do whatever they please eventually. And I think let's hold that for like two scenes here, because there's a scene where it plays in really important on whether or not they gave him the perfect life. So in essence, uh, Truman goes to work. He's waylaid by two guys who push him up against a poster board so that the cameras that must be embedded in their ties or like a shirt button or something uh, get Truman in front of a Kaiser chicken advertisement. So they get a little product (laughs) placement going there. Um, And this happens multiple times. And it was as much as product placement in real entertainment pisses me off. not, Not that this is not real entertainment, but like when it's in a real product placement like for an actual product makes me angry i was like that's exactly what they would do i loved it (laughs) yeah even like the little camera like like as they push them against the wall the camera like turns a little bit more to focus on the poster it's just like it's so like i said it's satirical it's satirical um and it's just like kind of over the top you know blatantly trying to push that product i thought that was hilarious right so truman goes to work he uh he tries to look up a woman named Sylvia who may be living in Fiji. He's doing this on the phone and conveniently gets interrupted by another person at work who's telling him to go across the across the bay on a ferry to go close an insurance sale because he's a salesman. Um, once he gets out to the ferry, he seems to have a phobia of water, gets dizzy, and cannot go out on the dock to meet the ferry. Um... And here is the scene that I really wanted to talk about in terms of Anthony's question. Uh, He's at the beach one evening, and he has a memory of sailing with his dad. A storm hits, and his dad falls out of their boat and drowns. What are your guys' thoughts in terms Mm -hmm. of whether or not they gave this guy the perfect life? Not at all. That's just, like, (laughs) intentional, you know, added traumatic stress to someone that you know you're choosing to put this life-changing event on this person you know it's that to me this is where yes i agree jim like you know maybe it's not all good you know you're not really not giving him the perfect life you know you're you are imprinting some serious traumatic issues on a young child at this time in his life yeah because he was five in the flashback right that you that you don't know how it's gonna affect him you know and you're just doing it for basically your entertainment it's yeah and not to mention like it they make it 
kind of seem like it's his fault he wanted to go further and the storm got worse like it really i mean it's it fucked well, up. absolutely and <laughs> so, and it, when he's talking to his mom later on she's like and i don't blame you truman you know i've never blamed you basically right. cementing that sort of mindset like maybe it could have been my fault yes Mm-hmm. They, they they make it a point for her to bring mm-hmm. up to not blame him so that he continues to blame himself, <laughs> yep. stay on this island, and, like, never leave. Well, and so. it seems they made the made sure that he would have a phobia of water, seeing as he lives on an island. So he can never leave because he oh, can't, yeah, that was right. so terrified to cross water. It was entertainment, but but purely useful for them to, to keep that desire to wander in check. Yeah, seeing mm-hmm. as he has that built in even before he meets sylvia which is someone we will discuss a little bit later um so after this scene it starts to rain on him i believe and it's one (laughs) one rain shower directly one person wide on him and it gets him to move and he realizes it's no longer raining on him right um yeah until eventually it it starts raining everywhere (laughs) yeah so like was this like a production mistake did they like think he wasn't gonna notice i think it was a mistake on their part because if you remember at the beginning too there's that light that falls from the sky and lands on the street oh yeah (laughs) and so they're having some some problems and they and they try to play it off as like oh that was just an airplane having trouble you know so i do think that they have their errors here and there that they can't account for and they just try to quick fix it as quick as they can Mm It, it, it like you get a lot of uh serious jim carrey in this but then you get a little bit of like the the fun side of him too so like this this scene's one of them where he's like looking up at it like as he's moving over and then he's just like what is going on and i think he even starts like laughing while it's happening too so um i i this is just great range of of jim carrey to me and like just again cements how high i hold him as in a pedestal of movies because they're all so much fun that he does right uh after this uh jim carrey what's his name truman (laughs) goes home and this is where uh we this is the second meeting we skipped over the first one because it didn't matter so much uh where you meet his wife meryl um she's in on the whole thing she is an actress who is married to truman for purposes of the show uh, he's saying he wants to go on an adventure and go to Fiji specifically. And she says that she wants a baby instead. And sounds about right. <laughs> if we're talking about ethics of this show, you have to talk about the fact that they would broadcast the possibility of someone conceiving a child would be beyond an invasion of privacy. Right. Well, I mean, Ed Harris at one point in the movie says like that's one of his goals is to have that played out. <laughs> like he's excited about it. So it's and and they even talk about planting new wives. Basically, it, it's just it's wild. Well, he's playing God. You know, essentially. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Do <laughs> is this just considered like again? You have to assume that the actor actress is is willing to you know she's being paid i'm obviously you know she's on the show for a reason at the same time it's almost just like prostituting out an actress if you're going to mm-hmm. have them you know do this for your show it's like how far would they be willing to go like you're gonna have exactly. a kid like do they have a are they married outside of 
work, you know, or I don't know. Well, they wouldn't have or time is... to be. It's 24-7 right. there. And what I didn't this understand is... is if they, if the actors and actresses live this life, why don't they get to even use their real names? Because in the beginning credits, it's Hannah as Meryl and Lewis mm-hmm. as Marlon. They don't have any time outside of this this TV show to be them. Why not let them just use their real names? I was this question I had. Yeah, especially since in the credits, like my thought would be that they would want to protect the privacy of the actors from people who are watching the show. Um, because as we see, there is a small but vocal minority who don't think the show is a good thing. Um, but they do reveal the names in the credits, so it doesn't quite make sense. It's absolutely a weird thing. Uh, this sure. is where uh, Truman finally goes to work again the next day. So we've gone through a day of Truman's life, day 10,010, or not, <laughs> 10,910. And on his way to work today, he sees what appears to be a homeless man. And what we realize is that's his dad, or the actor who plays his dad. Once uh, Truman recognizes him, I'm going to call them production assistants. They were dressed as something so they would blend in. But they come up, they grab one arm each on his dad and drag him away in essence. Cue some joggers who accidentally run into Truman to stop him from following. And they just whisk his dad away. Coincidentally. Yeah, exactly. So, and he's been raised for 30 years in this place. He has no idea that any of this is fake. He just thinks it's a weird set of events. And this is where he goes to visit his mom and she says, you know, you can't keep doing this. I don't blame you, but this is not good for your health. Right. All done. And like we said, in the greater, you know, terms to keep him, you know, grounded and make sure he never wants to actually leave. And again, that I think that's why they introduced his his dad, like in this small clip was like you just said, Anthony, to keep him at bay essentially but i think this time though is the guy we find out actually snuck onto the set yeah he broke back oh that's they have they eventually that is that's why they whisked him off because they he was an issue being there right because it once well and i don't want to talk too much about it but if they were to it, it was obvious right away that if they were to undo the death of his father it would take away his water phobia to some degree which would be directly contrary to trying to keep him in one place. Right. Oh, so I'm I'm putting this together. Was he the one who parachuted in then, or no? <laughs> that was another random but, guy. But but so the dad snuck back on because he was upset of how they um, wrote him off. They wrote him off. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. Got it. Got right. It. And you have to assume that this is maybe one of the best paid gigs ever, since it does appear to be a twenty four seven gig. But if you're getting paid for this. When do you have time to spend the money you're making? I would argue it's the worst gig ever, yeah. to be honest, because your life is the show, and you're acting your entire life. I don't know. We we could get pretty deep with what I just said there, because I think some people do act their entire lives, but, you know, that that that's just... It, it'd suck that your one role is a role that's not even yourself forever, essentially. Right. So. so here... Uh, Truman goes at the end of the day into his basement to quote unquote fix his mower 
uh meryl comes down and says you ought to throw out that old mower buy one of these new elk rotaries <laughs> those kill me the the cutaways to the advertisements like i was geeking out every single time because the way they just zoom in on her face like it, it, it's just so great and like the first time i was like cassie do you see what they're doing there and she's like yeah i'm watching right along with you i'm like i think it's just funny <laughs> yeah i don't know i think those might have been some of the best parts of the movie for me because i agree it, the, it's so blatant killed me <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. she always like because i think there's a camera in his ring right that he wears it's gotta be because it looks like a little yeah it's got a little cam. bulb on it but otherwise i don't think yeah. he wears a camera so the best thing is when she's talking to him saying he should buy a new elk rotary, she turns and looks into a different camera so that she's looking <laughs> right into the camera. Awesome. Which I love when he, you know, eventually like we'll get to it when he starts noticing things like, yeah, the whole Coco thing. That one is just, yeah, it's one of the best. It's an amazing scene. Sure. Yeah. 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 So from here after she leaves the basement he pulls out this old ratty red sweater um and we dive into a flashback and truman is in a band uniform he's either in high school i would assume or college uh and he's making eyes at a girl across like the the campus what do they call them the quad we'll call it that um and she smiles at him but then all of a sudden meryl trips and falls into truman's lap distracting well, and him his away. Bu- well his buddy too blows that trumpet right in his face and he, yeah, he Marlon notices does. too yeah. and and so it it's clear that they had set up a specific love interest for him right and as we've discussed yeah. none of this is genuine um well i mean she straight up is like oh my ankle and like falls directly onto <laughs> him like it's just ridiculous but one question i had who is the actress that plays sylvia that plays sylvia it is laura McKelhone. i for some reason thought it was like a young emily blunt like i like looking at her i was like that looks that's just not, like emily blunt that's not too bad scott i could see you, yeah. you thinking that I, I, oh i lied it's anyway. natasha McKelhone. uh in the I show her name is cool lauren right outside the show her name is right. sylvia right oh that's correct yes um and we get a few more flashbacks here. Now Truman is at a dance, dancing with Meryl because they've gotten together. Um, and he sees her there again. But all of a sudden, some people in suits whisk her away, too. Um, <laughs> another flashback here. And these are all in rapid succession. It was maybe a little hard here to tell quite the timeline. Uh, but now he's studying in a library and he sees her there again. And they actually talk this time yeah it's clear that she has i mean i'm assuming real feelings towards him and right from the get-go she's trying to you know very subtly because there's cameras everywhere like Mm -hmm. inform him that she would like to talk to him you know or like needs to tell him something maybe about obviously about his life um i guess i don't know it's it's very sad because he truly has no chance at this point you know with her so you we we as the viewer of the viewers you know you know no one really thinks this will ever work out because it's just it's all controlled 
Well, and I love the part where he's kind of asking what's wrong with him, like why he won't go on a that date. Was so sad. With, and he's like, "Oh, it's how I look." There, it's like she, he's, "Oh, is it my other?" That's nothing. She's just a friend. Like it's, it's just great. And um, she also is wearing a pin that says, "How's it going to end?" And that's just kind of like, uh, was that? Uh, you know, if that's part of the show, what was the point of her wearing that pin? That's, I don't know. that's of her odd. own doing, I think. Right, right. Like, the show probably wouldn't have wanted her to wear something like that. I, I, I don't know. He, he wouldn't have been able to figure out that this, this, this was happening just from that pin. But, like, the ridiculous scene to me is when they go to the beach, so they, like, run away on this date because... It's the only chance they can get. And she's like, somebody's going to come soon. This fucking car comes barreling over the sand. And it's just so ridiculous to me that, like, they're sitting on a beach and he's like, this, what is going on? But then the dad, it's her dad. And he uses the argument of like, oh, schizophrenia. Like, that's basically all he says. He's just like, schizophrenia, because they're clearly like, what do we do? Like, we're stuck here. Yeah. Um, but obviously she finishes that by saying, I'm where where can you find me? And the dad just says Fiji. And there it is. So yeah, that it kind of makes sense why he wants to go to, to mm-hmm. Fiji, which we keep learning in the movie. Sorry for taking over there, Jim. I just loved the barreling over the <laughs> It was well, it was the, hilarious. The car gets yeah. around very well in sand. It's in hard sand. to drive like in a sand. Station wagon with a yeah. dad inside and <laughs> it's just but, but as she as she points out, when she picks up the sand, it's all fake. So is it even sand? <laughs> well, yeah, well, there you go. You're yeah. really getting deep now. <laughs> Here's the well, deeper I mean... question I think about this scene, right? Uh, Sylvia slash Lauren, as she's called in the show, shows up on set and seems to have an immediate attraction to Truman. Is that mm-hmm. because she's been watching the show for decades and grew up knowing him? So she has some weird attraction to him that he luckily had for her too because she's been a voyeur in his life just as much as everyone else it's like it'd be the same as um you like falling in love with a movie star essentially exactly like right so that's where again you kind of have to take the moral dilemma of like did she like him for him or you know in he reality, doesn't even know who him is, is. he his, his exactly. entire personality has been curated by these interactions that are forced right exactly yeah and i i think that's Mm. the biggest question of the the movie honestly and honestly gets the least amount of time spent on it is she as bad as the rest of the world watching him and that's an interesting observation because that's a point i hadn't seen it from before so that's yeah and is she truly being altruistic by trying to get him out of this or is it just because she wants to take him home and be with him well and it comes to the dilemma of i believe that every human has like a reason behind you know like there's some sort of motive behind what you do it wasn't just because like she was in love with him like she had some agenda behind you know what she was doing for herself as well yeah she didn't want to stay there and be a part of the cast she did want to help him and get him out of there Right, and so I, I think it's good intentions in the end on her side, but still, it it's tough because she's falling in love with someone who's had like everything pushed for what he is. 
essentially. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Jim. Because I was, <laughs> I just thought, because I was a little hard on her. Because I was, my whole thing until you know, that's a good point to think about. Was that she, she was on the show obviously initially. So I'm like, well, here she is, like profiting off his life. That's kind of how I thought. And then she like kind of, you know, after seeing him in those couple scenes and getting to chance to talk with him then she kind of decided to do that but that's a good point like maybe she was in love with him and sort of like infiltrated the set in that sort of sense to try to you know lure him away you know that's a good point that could have very well much be what she intended yeah i i of the things that made me think about this movie that was my favorite to like sit down and just kind of mull over um but so anyways we continue with our movie here and we get some flashes where it's outside the show, viewers of the show, which I think were some really good comedic breaks. That was the funniest parts where you flash out to the waitresses in the bar and the patrons watching, the guy sitting in his bathtub, the two, <laughs> is it security guards or like uh, repairmen sitting in the back of the shop watching the show? It's everyone's guilty pleasure that everyone knows that everyone watches it. And we get a little bit of dialogue here from, I believe it's the women or the bartenders at the bar. Uh, apparently right after uh, Lauren slash Sylvia was taken away, they wrote in that Truman's mom got sick in order to prevent him from going to Fiji because he had to stay there to take care of her. Just more emotional manipulation at every step of the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the bar had me thinking that scene ha- had me thinking, Jim, um, we brought, we talk about the bachelor every week on this show and and this is where like i think america's fascination of reality tv would make a show like this feasible like it's not too crazy to think that you know what we watch isn't that far off from this because if you think about everything that's happened in this season of the bachelor it's kind of the same thing the producers are literally forcing random girls to come in after they've already been there or like a girl from a previous season they're kind of playing with people's lives a little bit and and i don't think there's any kind of about it right right so so we as americans we enjoy seeing like for some reason we enjoy seeing people struggle on reality tv we have a fascination with watching which is why we do a movie podcast at least we know and, that that and, stuff and is it, fake. <laughs> and we'll get we'll get to this more, but in the bar they're like taking bets. I mean, last year at work, I was in a bachelorette pool. Like I picked a girl for ten dollars. Like I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm guilty <laughs> too. Terrible. You know, it does. It does. It sounds really fucking bad when you think about it. So so like I think this show made me realize that. Um, I guess I'm partially an asshole, or I'm just an American. One of the two. I don't know. Some people would say there might not, there might not be a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, uh. so now finally we've come back to our main timeline. Truman is still in his basement, and each morning he buys a fashion magazine on the way to work. Air quotes for his wife. For the um, wife. Yep. And he keeps <laughs> tearing portions of pictures of models out of them. And like a serial killer is taping them together in his basement. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to put together a picture of what Sylvia slash Lauren looks like. And can we just say, not a bad job. Like, it kind of looks like That's probably because they are actual pictures of her, I would assume. 
Well, yeah, but it, it's still, it's kind of crazy how in the end he's got this weird mismatched face and it looks like her a little bit. You're like, oh, not bad. Well, it's like but. any other movie character where this would happen or in any other movie, it's completely creepy and disturbing. But at this, in this instance, knowing what we know, you can't help but like think it's somewhat romantic. Like they even cut, yeah. they even cut to her then like watching, you know, outside of the show and she's mm-hmm. like all doe-eyed and like happy like you know it's like yes it's really weird but at the same time it's like kind of romantic in his own you know disturbed sheltered way well and it's it's a hint of that he can control his own wants and desires and and no matter what the outside world and this production tries to do they can't control his feelings and that's kind of a hint as to you know that's one thing that's his you know yeah i agree i like that a lot the only thing I could see them doing is like while he's asleep at night, they infiltrate his house and like take his serial killer picture away. And <laughs> I, I mean, like that to me would have made sense because they have cameras of him doing this. Why didn't they do that? Or it was a total right. oversight, which it seems as over the 30 years he's been doing this, there certainly have been some oversights where things have been screwed up. Well, the character herself mm-hmm. kind of was, because how many times did she have a chance to come back as an extra and they'd let her. I yeah. literally wrote that down. It's like, why would they keep this girl around after they've already seen what he feels for, about her or sh- having to already, like, whisk her away at the dance Definitely, once? it's like, a why, risk. Why allow her back into, like, the library mm-hmm. then? You know? It was just, yeah. It's and here's dumb my thought. If, if this cast is the size of a city, so call it a small city, 10,000 people in the cast, you gotta assume that there's 500 casting managers and she gets cast by a different one each time right so like that to me is how that oversight would come into play and i like the idea that she came in multiple times after being whisked away multiple times perhaps you know just because the staff for the show would have to be so monstrous right um now the next morning uh truman's going to work but then he doesn't go to work he spins around in the revolving door about four times, which is the one <laughs> guilty pleasure that I think all adults want to do but never do, um, and goes to visit Marlon at work. He's now caught on and believes that so long as he's being spontaneous and random, the quote-unquote crew cannot keep up with him. Uh, well, and, oh, go ahead. and not just because like a big skip here a little bit i think was when he's driving to work that's when his radio kind of short circuits Mm -hmm. out and he can hear what the directors are saying like and it's all mirroring the actions that he's making like oh he's taking a right on this road or whatever and uh and like it's all coming through the radio and he's like freaking out a little bit because then i think he almost does he almost hit a woman uh, in driving and that yeah that's where this yeah, that's where this all starts. His suspicion comes from is like weird shit starts happening because he can hear the director. Well, and after somehow. the elevator spinning is when he goes into that building and the the whole elevator um, facade. The wall is missing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the craft food service table behind the elevator door for the extras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, I missed and can those. We, <laughs> we, so just to fast forward here because i think it's more important to talk about this now to cover that up don't they like in the future the wife says like 
oh yeah, horrible elevator accident. <laughs> yep. Like you can never go in that elevator fell, again because someone's ten, arm got taken off. The, or the thing <laughs> fell ten stories. The rope broke or something, or the wire oh. snapped. Like okay. So it's like it's like they're so detailed of writers, but to get over this shit yeah. is the most ridiculous excuses. Like oh yeah, you can never go in that elevator again. Some people died. Like it was. <laughs> crazy <laughs> talk about how just, great some of these actors would need to be at improv right because yes. anyone yeah, who well, has direct interaction with truman you truly don't know what he's gonna say or do and then yeah. you need to react and have it be believable immediately right i just want right. to say one thing like i called this like his exploration scene i just thought the music and the score was incredible awesome. just like yeah, adventurous you know but at the same time like like kind of like a realization like sort of theme to it like mm-hmm. he's starting to put things together uh, now was, was that the was that the movie's theme or was that christoph's theme true wow there you go what Ooh. are we actually witnessing what are you listening i don't know <laughs> yeah and if that's the case christoph is an is a goddamn genius because oh, wow. he's playing like, us <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I got. I didn't even think about that though. Now I. Now this movie just has so much meaning to it. Like it's. I don't know. You don't know what to think. Like who? Who's the intended audience? You know. I think that's just. You know, the Peter Weir, the director of the actual movie, is like it's. He's a genius because he's like it makes you as the viewer. You know, am I actually being played by? him mm-hmm. or Kristoff like what are we supposed to be watching here i don't know it's yeah uh, just just pretty crazy to think about agreed um after uh the elevator scene with the false back wall he goes to visit marlin at work marlin is filling a vending machine because that's what he does for a living as he stocks vending machines and truman is talking to him and says there's people following him uh that all of the people in his life are planted right all of a sudden, Truman stands straight up, claps really loud in the store, and then ducks down, and no one in the cast reacts. And he uses that as proof of um, the fact that they're all actors and that they're, you know, not paying attention. Marlon, did you oh, notice what what did you notice what Marlon was doing with the candy bars though? So he was he was stocking them, but then he took them back out, like because. He wasn't going to fill the candy machine because nobody's going to get the candy. He was taking them out, and, like, so so he'd put five in. When he cut back, there was only three left because he was taking them out because he was like, oh, I thought the scene was over, so there's no point of me to continue to put the candy bars in. Like, I noticed that, and I was like, God, even that little of detail in this movie is crazy. Was the candy bar I, – I didn't I didn't catch that. Was, was the candy bar facing the camera so we could see it as the audience because it's an advertisement or outwards <laughs> it for would. the – it wasn't. It actually was faced as if it would. You'd see it from the oh, other so side. Yeah, because the camera was like set in the back <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the vending machine, looking out through the glass. What would have made that scene phenomenal is if he would have taken them out and then turned mm-hmm. them around. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. But like, even that small of detail of like feeling you're like in a show. They were taking out the candy bars because he's like, "Fuck this!" I mean, nobody's gonna buy yeah. them. It's just great. It's amazing. After this, uh, Marlin and Truman go to the beach. Truman is sitting there saying um, he, he's going to go away for a while. And Marlin has to subtly try and convince him that he should not go away. Uh, Truman goes so far as to ask him, how far did you get out of town when you were distributing Kaiser chicken? 
uh, which again, throwback to our very first product placement <laughs> at the beginning of this movie. Um, and Marlon doesn't really say that he went anywhere. He doesn't reveal any places, but what he says is there's no place like Sea Haven. That's why I keep coming back. Just yeah. more cementing of the idea that you can't leave here. We get a scene here now at home where Meryl, uh, Truman's mom, who I'm not sure has ever given a name, um, and Truman are looking through some old pictures of oh, when Angela, Truman was... Angela, isn't it? Is it Angela? Angela? It's yes. not listed on IMDb, so I couldn't check. Um, I know that she's played by Holland Taylor, but she's just listed as Truman's mother. Um they uh, they're looking through this old photo album of travels that Truman has been on <laughs> and they go they apparently went to visit Mount Rushmore which is about the size <laughs> of a, a large couch that they're standing in front of <laughs> huh. and, and he's like why is it so small they flip right yeah. <laughs> well everything just... always looks smaller when you look back on it <laughs> like <right>. okay <laughs> Um, and the most important thing realized here, after uh, Merrill and his mom leave, uh, they had to, I, I forget where they were going, but Truman is looking through his wedding photos of him and Merrill and comes to find out that in many of them, Merrill is crossing her fingers. So the next morning, Merrill is rushing off to surgery to amputate someone who was hurt in the elevator accident that we've referenced. And she says, wish me luck. And Truman responds, I'll cross my fingers for you. Her, her face in that scene was <laughs> I didn't devastating. See, I didn't catch that. I didn't really mm-hmm. notice what I was... So what's the importance of the crossing yeah, of fingers? I didn't, I didn't well, because when you make a promise to someone and you cross your fingers as a child, like that a void. means that you don't actually mean it. Oh. Yeah. Which if there's sure. one big so promise in... most adults make, it's when they get married. Yeah, I suppose. That's kind of a <laughs> I big see. one. So she was crossing her fingers while they were getting married. Wow. <laughs> crazy good, good catch yeah because i was like are they zooming sure. in like on like a a ring or something that like she didn't take off her like her real wedding ring like she's married to somebody else like i, I couldn't catch really what it was but eh, that makes sense then i get it he then follows her to work on a bike um because she bikes to the hospital each day and i guess if this is a small town that would make sense but you would think that you wouldn't want to get uh all physically exerted before going into a surgery necessarily um and then also ride your bike to work in what you're going to wear when you get to work but what but do you i can't have all that car exhaust inside of a dome i suppose right mm, well true. and that's another thing is truman is constantly walking places even though he has a car um it's just kind of one of the things you see is you only get one or two scenes of him driving i think right yeah, it's not much. Just I like, mean, he. Do, I think that for opening scene, he drives to work because because it, it, w- one line we didn't talk about was when he sees the neighbor. What does he say? Um, good, uh, if I don't see you, uh, uh, good afternoon, good evening, good evening, and good night. And... Yeah, yep, yeah. Which feels like the tagline for a show. Um, it would have been cool if they had a flashback of how that line was planted for him because I have to yeah. assume no normal yeah. human being would ever say that. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So we get to the hospital, and Truman is stopped by a nurse before being able to follow Meryl, like, quote-unquote, behind the scenes, I'll say. Finally, he asks her to give her a message and says, uh, the message is, I had to go to Fiji, and I'll call her when I get there. Which, talk about brutal. <laughs> Just having someone else deliver the message that you're going to run away to a, an island nation in the middle of the Pacific. 
<laughs> yeah, um, like okay. from what like on the other side of the world. Like, so I'll call you in like a week or something. Like, or <laughs> yeah. however long it takes you to get there, a couple days. Yeah. So, and this is the best part of the scene for me here. He after he sends this nurse to go deliver the message to Meryl, he then follows her because she just lets a door swing open behind her. Gets to an operating room where Meryl is standing there dressed up with a quote-unquote doctor doctor says hand me a scalpel and there's a person (laughs) lying on the table and he's about to make an incision into this person's leg because they were going to amputate the leg and the person lying on the table like sits up like panicking because they're about to have their leg cut off in an acting gig well and i like when uh he's about to go he's trying to get to the back surgery room there's like people in wheelchairs just like ramming at trying him, to slow trying to him down. Yeah. The guy in the hallway with the big thing like blocking him both. Here, sides. let me help like, you with that. And he just like throws it down. Throws, throws it down. Yeah. I, and, and like, yeah, the 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 whole guy just being like scalpel, and his voice is like super nervous, and he yeah, it's, I'm, it's a it's a really well done scene. Yeah, I do want to say is like I'm amazed at like how far they go with this because like. For all they know, Truman's obviously not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be either home or at work. So, like, they actually set up, like, a mock surgery just for, like, the sheer case that he might show up, you know, mm-hmm. well, I'm assuming. Or they knew, kind of, that he was headed there, so they, they rushed Maybe. it, which is why they have that whispering, like, oh my gosh, he's here, you know, and it, yeah. they're not quite <laughs> prepared. They're a little nervous about it because it is so spontaneous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they, we see eventually all of headsets on that they're communicating. Or we got that when his car radio was freaking out. Uh, We see that everyone's wearing headsets. So they could communicate out and say like, hey, we need to put together a surgery scene. He's going to the hospital. Well, Um, they did a pretty good job, I'd say. (laughs) You have to have all of the props ready to go at all times. Exactly. Um, from here, Truman is escorted out by a police officer for some reason, so that's how they get away with not cutting off the person's leg. He then goes to a couple of places. He first goes to a travel agent trying to book a flight to Fiji. She says she doesn't have anything for another month. He Did goes you guys to notice like the, oh, the posters in yeah, the travel it agency. To you. It's yeah. like a travel agency, but everything in there is basically telling you not to travel. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> well, and to me, the solution would have been don't put a travel agent office in your fake city. Right. Don't let him go even think about booking a trip. But it's exactly. funny that they tried to take it so far to go to real lengths. I, I liked this, but I thought it was yeah. funny. He then goes to a bus stop to try and get a ticket to Chicago because... Uh, He's just trying to get anywhere that's going to have a flight sooner to Fiji. But what do you know? The bus breaks down and won't start. Um, I Do you think that, that... Is this because the guy didn't really know how to drive the bus, or did he just sabotage it? I think he sabotaged both, it. I think. Yeah. I, personally, I think he sabotaged it. Because he's like he's got this well, resignation he... on his face, like, okay, I, I can't take him to Chicago. I have yeah. to keep him here. And, yeah, I think he did that on purpose. And you could tell he was Maybe. guilty and about later, it. Well, and later in the movie, the same guys are trying to drive the boat out to get yeah. uh, Truman, and they say they can only drive buses. They don't know how to drive <laughs> They're just boat. actors, man. <laughs> yeah, that was so it, funny. It's, it's amazing. So, like, I think he knew. Um, so maybe he like, knew how to drive the bus, and then, yeah, just ruined it. And then purpose. on the bus, and, 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 there, there, there's that scene where that little girl 
recognizes him. She turns around and mm-hmm. she says, hey, mom, isn't that the guy? So we kind of we get that that uh, the innocence of a child, you know, and she recognizes his face. Yep. And goes out That's of character. Really cool. Yeah. And I her mom has to like, tell her, like, sit down, be quiet and face mm-hmm. the front. Yeah. Did you guys notice that, like, how sad the bus driver was, though? I felt like he, he seems seemed act, genuinely, yeah, he seems like... to think it's wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. he, when he's getting off, he's like, he's like, sorry, man. Like, you know, I, but he seemed very genuine about it. Like, not really, like, acting, mm-hmm. so to say. From here, Truman goes home. And Meryl finally comes home. Truman is sitting in his car. One of two scenes where he's in the car. Um, <laughs> she gets in. And he has... He predicts to her... All of the people who are going to walk behind the car. It is a woman on a bike, a man with flowers, and then a VW Beetle with a dented fender. So my question here is they've thought everything through so well. Why put three things on a loop like this? I Like it's almost like they wanted him to figure it I, out. Or... Again, I, I wrote that down too. And I think it's another one of those oversights like we mentioned before with having sylvia you know show up so many times like and why when he was talking to meryl if they're like oh he recognized this just tell those actors hey stop just don't complete the loop this time because they can hear the conversation but yet they let Mm -hmm. the loop continue even though he voices it and they could have stopped it so i would almost that's where yeah or go ahead scott well that's where you almost think like ed harris's character do you think he's that much of a genius and he's picked up on the fact that like we could take this angle where he's going crazy and like he's starting to realize that it is a TV show, but they're just letting it happen because it's making for amazing TV. That's so risky. I, I don't know. Pro- yeah, it is too. It's a little risky to the point where it's like, does he know that the show's kind of coming to an end and like he's had an amazing run, so he needs to let it end in a cool way? Uh, I I don't know, but yeah, I I do think that it's probably just an oversight, like like was mentioned before you have to think that if it was going to be a train wreck it would draw viewers sorry anthony you can go ahead now well no i I was just gonna say like i think the oversight you know it's just like you chalk it up to this is obviously such a massive show and production with thousands of people like you know i think they would try to take any shortcuts wherever they could you know they're Mm -hmm. just like you guys are acting your job is to just walk around the street you know like well, I think then they just kind of... Oh, sorry. I thought you were... No, finished. I just think they kind of just, like, forget about it then, you know? Well, and to throw back to WandaVision a little bit, I, it was in this episode we see where when Vision gets out to the edge of the city, um, all the people that Wanda are controlling are just doing one motion, right? Like, the one person is, like, trying to hang up a Halloween decoration, and all they do is raise their arm to hook it up, bring their arm down raise their arm to hook it up you know so if yeah. if you're talking about like the really extraneous cast they're not going to give them a million and one things to do they're only going to give them these very menial you walk down this street and then you walk back right. again sort of situation wandavision has some big truman truman I was show i gonna vibes say this is a sure. great movie to watch while we're watching yeah. WandaVision. i even said i wrote down when that light falls from the sky in the beginning of the movie i was like i even wrote down i was like hmm i got some major wandavision vibes from that like when she sees the crashed like airplane thing or whatever son of a gun which gave me oh go ahead scott 
it gave me more respect for this movie because I was like, man, WandaVision is so crazy unique, but now I'm starting to it's see It's basically where it pulled, Truman Show. <laughs> it's themes from, and I'm like, damn, this movie was so ahead of its yeah. time. It's crazy. Right. Anthony but, mentioned a camera falling from the sky, and as I'm not the pro here like Scott is, that was the one scene from the beginning of the movie that sets everything in motion um, that I missed. Yeah. So Truman comes well, out of his Andrew house like that first too. morning. Yeah. And a camera falls down from the dome, kind of kicking all of this off. And they have a scene back then, too, where on the radio it says, an airplane flying overhead was shedding parts. So I apologize for missing <laughs> that at the beginning of the movie. Um, not not the craziest excuse, because season two of Breaking Bad is completely surrounded by an airplane falling apart. That's so it's like, true. okay, <laughs> believable, I guess. Um, so at this point, back in the middle of the movie where we are, uh, Meryl and Truman are sitting in the car and he says, we're going to leave now for Fiji <laughs> or we're going to drive away. He lists a couple different cities like, uh, Chicago and new Orleans or, and I think Los Angeles at one point, Atlantic city, Atlantic city. You're right. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, so he drives away, gets to a roundabout where he goes around the roundabout <laughs> five or six times <laughs> before finally taking off Just... down a random side street classic jim carrey there though like like, that's where i was like oh there's the ace ventura like he's like hollering out the window and stuff like that i'm just like this feels right yeah (laughs) as they pull down this street immediately like six cars pull out in front of them out of their driveways and create a traffic jam yeah um one thing to mention to anthony you just mentioned that uh was classic jim carrey all the characters on the set of this movie in real life could not mention his previous roles they were like banned from saying anything about them because they wanted it to be a little bit more serious so i thought that was a little fun fact <laughs> but when the, the when all the cars just stop him there he's like huh what do you know traffic like all in unison <laughs> or something like yeah <laughs> was great. right and so the the most clever thing he does is now he says to meryl he's like oh i guess we'll go home he backs down the street back to the roundabout spins around it a couple more times goes down the same street again and magically the traffic is just gone so i i really like that he's grasped onto this idea that so long as he's doing something other than what he says he's gonna do that they can't predict him which i think well, is a cool concept a really telling quote that he kind of yells as he's going around the roundabout is somebody help me i'm being spontaneous as if it's <laughs> phrased in a being spontaneous is bad you know obviously it's fine but he's been brought up to believe that it's bad so he's like be careful i'm being spontaneous and so he kind of realizes that (laughs) yeah that was great uh finally him and meryl reach a bridge that's going out of town it's over a river and as we all know and meryl states here you know you can't drive over water um so he closes his eyes makes her (laughs) take the wheel and he just steps on it it's genius it's not gonna crash yeah she's gonna save you know she's not gonna risk her own life you know she'll take you right over (laughs) so once they get across they encounter the most ridiculous things a sign that says forest fire extreme danger with the tiniest line of fire across the street that they just blow right through before reaching a nuclear power plant that has a leak uh a cop stops them says there's no way you can't get through it's leaking radiation or whatever and as Truman says, thank you, officer, the officer responds, you're welcome, Truman. And Truman mm, gets out of man. the car. He knows the jig is up and he's running around in the woods as these hazmat people tackle him. 
<laughs> so you have to think the producers planted these people for this just in case scenario. So this is like their job every day is to come out in this crazy garb of uh, like radioactive suits and like these weird yeah. like gun looking things they have that are cameras and the cops have to be out there. They got that fire set up just in case. I love it. I love the the detail of that, but yeah, the, how can the guy say that you're welcome, Truman? He like, should should like, never know who he is. He's yeah. not one of the pros. Yeah. He doesn't get to play in the the everyday no. scenes. He's on the back exactly. burner, so he's yeah, right. This is his only line ever, and he botched <laughs> yeah. it instantly. And there's Terrible. no second takes in this show. <laughs> no, no. So the cops drop um, the cops drop Truman off at home the next day. And they say he's lucky to be alive. Next time we'll have to file charges because, of course, they didn't take him to jail. That would be a boring yeah. show. Um, <laughs> Truman and Merrill have it out a little bit here. He says to her, why do you want to have a baby with me? You can't stand me. And this is where we get the Makoko uh, product <laughs> oh placement. God. She says, I'll make you a thing of Makoko and grabs it, holds it up to the camera. <laughs> and he's just like what are you doing who are you talking are to you talking why are you doing to? this yeah. right and this this uh, is another scene where like you can tell that she's obviously not looking at him you know um finally he kind of grabs her aggressively and this was kind of an uncomfortable scene he grabs the crappy kitchen utensil that she had done product placement for earlier she grabs it first though yeah, yeah she grabs it and first. then he takes it from her and holds it over her throat and she just screams, "Do something!" Yeah, and and then you she so new friend comes in, Marlon. Um, Marlon, yeah, and and she's hugging him, and she yells, "You can't expect me to work in conditions like this. It's not professional." Yeah. <laughs> so it was a good line, but like, I mean, she to me escalated the situation pretty fast because. He was just trying to figure out what was going on. I don't think he was ever thinking of hurting her or anything like that. But then she grabbed the utensil, which I think she was starting to, like, I think she just was getting nervous that it was escalating fast. Well, and I was going to say, like, I don't necessarily, because they know what they signed up for. But, like, at some point, though, it's clear that they were not, no one's prepared. At least she hasn't been, like, prepped on, like, what to do, like, if he ever gets, because... You know, it's not even his. It's not obviously not his fault. He's if he if the guy is hell bent on trying to discover something, like she should have been a little more prepared. I think by either the executives or you know her own self, because I felt kind of bad. Because you know how could she be married to him if if he's going to be acting like this? You know, it, it's be impossible. Right. You know, yeah. I found the scene very important because he's obviously in a very vulnerable spot. And right off the bat, when the police drop him off, she starts accusing him of needing help. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Truman, we got to get you some help. He obviously doesn't need help. So right there, that's ethically, you know, it's kind of like abuse, I would say, planting this, you know, you have something wrong with you. Um, and then he, this whole thing with the kitchen utensil and she yells, you know, you're having a nervous breakdown. Obviously, you know, again, accusing him of being the issue and it's his problem and you're going crazy. And so even in the middle of all of this, their quick response is to blame it on him make him think he's crazy and i just thought that this scene was so telling and all of that because it's it, all of that abuse is just kind of coming to this head right here mm -hmm. agreed for sure and in just another scene here we get an even more emotional abuse here uh marlon like we said comes over and they go out to drink some beers on this bridge that's under construction they're sitting there talking 
And this is when we get introduced to Kristoff, who is the director of the show, played by Ed Harris. He's feeding lines to Marlin, who is going on this big uh, monologue about how if everyone's in on lying to you, that would mean that I was in on it. And the last thing I would do is lie to you. Cue fog on the back of the bridge and they have now brought back from the dead or uh, not from the dead. They just say he's been missing and has amnesia. They bring back Truman's dad or who he mm. believes to be his dad. Yeah. And total that's then a complete emotional abuse and manipulation because they're and it's yeah. Or sorry, but it's played off though as like a huge success because it was shot perfectly and everyone's cheering, you know, in the mm-hmm. in the set production. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. From here the movie takes much more of a turn where now we are seeing a lot more outside the show and more of the production, which I thought was a great way to kind of out- round out the third act here. Uh, this director, Kristoff, is calling every single shot. They're playing music live. They have a guy posted up at a piano, which is cool that that's the way they're doing the soundtrack. That is cool. <laughs> it, later on, and we're probably not going to talk about it just because it's a little bit boring, but like, there's a scene where Truman is asleep and they still have a guy at the piano because they broadcast this 24 hours a day um, playing his sleep theme or whatever it is. Um, we get a flash of Sylvia watching the show and we get then a newscast that starts. There's going to be an interview with Kristoff, uh, the director. And he's getting interviewed by a show called True Talk, a play on Truman. <laughs> um, apparently, and this is where we get a few scenes here uh, cut together. People have tried to break onto the set before. This is where the guy parachutes in. Uh, someone else busts out of a Christmas <laughs> present under his tree. Um, and th- there's a couple others, but it's like, uh, it's these constant mix-ups that they somehow had to write off as normal day-to-day uh, things for him. Yeah. I question, how do you think the guy got in there with the parachute? Uh, <laughs> Into the dome? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Do you just yeah, sneak just... onto, like, the set and then climb up to, like, one of the highest parts and just, like, try to infiltrate the scene? I don't know. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I never yeah. thought about because they reveal the dome here uh, during this newscast. It's the biggest show set ever built. Um, I can see it from space. Yep, it's other than the Great Wall of China. It's the only other thing you can see from space. Um, Sylvia calls in on a call-in portion of this newscast, and she really lets Kristoff have it. Uh, and he constantly defends, saying, Sea Haven, the city, is the way the world should be, and that Truman is allowed to leave at any time. Which, yeah. as we all If he was truly know, determined, I think he says something like that, you know? But yeah, but you're doing everything in your power to keep him there <laughs> at the same time. Even physically yeah. tackling him in the woods. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We And we, we had a couple of other fun scenes of how, like, they kind of cut off his imagination as a kid because, like, he wants, wanted to explore <laughs> oh, the world part. when he was in grade school. And they pull the map down. It's already done. <laughs> Everything's been discovered. Everything's yeah. been discovered. Yeah. Or, like, he's trying to go... 
across and and walk around the other side of like this island or whatever and there's a giant like pit bull in his way and he can't leave and yeah so it makes him have like a phobia of... of dogs even and they right it, with the dalmatian it, at the beginning we can see that yeah yeah the dalmatian mm-hmm. that comes up to greet him every morning before he goes to work mm-hmm. it's layer upon layer of just falseness trying to keep him there mm-hmm. um yeah. And at the end of this interview, Kristoff reveals that they are going to have Meryl break up her marriage with Truman and that a new love interest will be introduced. All because he wants to have the first television con- conception yeah. live. So Which, if that's not, that's messed you would up. Think or breaking it, up the marriage that... would push that further out. Yeah, yeah, is it? Are they getting rid of her because they they didn't like that big confrontation and see it as a liability or, or what? Yeah, I think maybe I, I, she was sick of it. You know, oh, that's yeah, true. she kind of was she actually. Might, yeah. yeah, she might have actually became very afraid in case something would happen. But who knows? Yeah, it's. I don't remember if it was now or if it was earlier. I just thought it was funny because we go back to like some of like the people live watching the show and those like two guys, you know, and like. There was supposedly a scene where they were going to bed, and, and they're just like, they never show anything. They always yeah, cut away. They cut away. And like, dude, they cut away to some music and like the wind blowing in the. <laughs> so it, like, it makes you wonder how much do they know about reality and and what's planted as fake? Because they obviously know the characters are not using their real names. So are they aware that stuff like this is just kind of being introduced and planted? Like, I, I was kind of confused as to what they believed and took as reality the viewers of the show you mean of the show like in the bar and in the bathtub yeah and that's a deep question too because like we talk about the bachelor you know because that's our reality Mm -hmm. guilty pleasure and we know so much of it is fake and like they put personalities into the show that are going to cause conflict i i wonder if i'm not sure which way it's meant to play because they all seem genuinely invested in what happens to truman Yet they know the actors have alternate names than their real names. So it's like they've got to know some of it is staged. Yeah, I don't know. I'd argue the WWE effect because it's like something like that is so big still. But all the fans almost know the results of everything before you even go into it. And yet they're still hooked on like coming back every week to watch that fakeness happen so i don't know yeah it it does certainly seem like they know oh they're just gonna get like at one point they bring up oh they uh he's still got the memory of sylvia or whatever and so you know it it all seems to they all just kind of seem to know that part of this is fake Mm -hmm. for sure yeah so from here we move into a new scene with truman And it's flashed forward now. What we come to find out from context clues is Meryl has already left uh, Truman. It's been a period of time uh, since then. And at work the next day, uh, a woman named Vivian is moving into the cubicle next to him. And, of course, you know, a very pretty woman waves at him, smiles, and, you know, tries to distract him a little bit. Um eventually we flash back out to the production studio again and Kristoff comes out and he's all upset why are you focusing on this basement view of his house and they reveal that after Merrill left truman started sleeping down there um 
and they're just watching him sleep. That's what they do for eight hours a day uh, and broadcast that anyways, because like we said, it's a 24-hour uh, broadcast. And Kristoff seems to think something is up. So they send uh, Marlin over there to go check Truman out in the basement, and Marlin just lets himself into the house. No no problem <laughs> well, there. Surprise party. <laughs> My favorite thing about Marlin every time is, like, always coming with a six-pack, and even in this scene, it's super intense. He's hauling ass in a truck, but when he runs out, he's got <laughs> yep. a six-pack in his hands. Yeah, you gotta so. never break character, man. Well, and that's, that's product placement as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because sure. they talked about the brand of beer at one point. Yep. Um, come to find out that it's uh, Christmas decorations under a blanket and a tape recorder uh, of, snoring. of snoring. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. So Truman dug his way out of the basement through through the ceiling, which is underneath his yard, which I thought was a little bit weird because where he digs out is grass um, as yeah. opposed to being under his own house. And Truman's in the wind, and they're trying to find him. And Kristoff tells the production staff to cut the transmission. The first time in, call it, 11,000 days now that they have ever cut the 24-7 transmission. Yeah, I can't imagine. That would be, like... That'd break the world. Yeah, it'd be huge, you know? I'm trying to think of, like, some sort of, like, real-life scenario of what that would be, but I really can't. You know, there's... I don't know what probably. Probably the stock market crashing, essentially. Or just, like, uh, shutting like down, you know? Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, complete cutoff of outside communication. Something. Right. I don't, but it'd be a big well, deal. Like the, I'm or, like, to the think internet. I'm, oh, sorry. Maybe. Go ahead. Yeah, I know, like, the internet, like, shutting down for... Oh, like, if the internet... <laughs> I'd love to see what we'd do if the internet just shut down for a day. There's nothing. Because, oh, it'd be wild. <laughs> What's going on? Y2K? Oh, I don't know. God. The yeah. real-world example I can think of, was it the Beijing Olympics that during the opening ceremony, the power went out for a couple of minutes? Oh, I don't and, know. And, like, I don't know. watching that, it was kind of like, what is going on? You know, that yeah. that to me would be the equivalent, right, on an international scale. Sure, sure, um, sure. So Kristoff is now briefing everyone in the production area. And w- what we didn't reveal is the production area is literally the moon in the sky. So he, he's <laughs> yeah. like a god, like Amber said, uh, or I think, I'm not sure if it was Amber or Anthony, up on high watching everything. And now some real Death Star vibes. Yeah, big Death yeah. Star vibes. And now they flip it over so it's the sun in the middle of the night as the people are uh, looking for Truman. They're like looking at their watches. What time is it? What is going on? Well, for, first the moon becomes a searchlight, so you know that's normal. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. That was over the city. And they come to find that the one place they're not looking for Truman is out in the bay. He's on a sailboat sailing out into the bay, just straight out. And as he's sailing away, there's cameras on the boat. And Kristoff even says, like, they br- they bring the shot back once they realize that's where Truman is. And they say, hold this camera. That's our hero shot. <laughs> Everything's yeah. just for looks. I love someone in the production room says something like, how can he sail? He's an insurance salesman. <laughs> like, And it's great. Because then, like, that just makes... 
so much more sense than when they try to get like here we go back to like the bus driver supposed to drive the ferry out there but he's like i don't know how to do it i'm the bus driver and then they're like well they're just <laughs> actors man i don't know i just it all like comes full circle kind of it's just pretty funny and here's where things get dark and get dark quick Kristoff tells production staff to launch a storm over the boat and they tell him there's no rescue boat truman won't know what to do and he says he'll turn back he's too afraid before finally lightning strikes the boat and truman is tied to the boat but his head is in the water somehow and he's basically drowning someone finally says uh for god's sake chris the whole world is watching we can't let him die in front of a live audience to which he responds he was born in front of a live audience which is a Mm -hmm. great line i mean it's terrifying but it was more of a god complex also yeah it was delivered perfectly um ed harris was nominated for an oscar for this role by the way really yeah best supporting i find that shocking I mean, I mean, he, he was good. He's not in it too he's much. Good, but, but to be honest, wow. this did not say to me a movie that would get nominated for many Oscars. So I find that incredibly impressive. Only best picture, maybe only three. But... This is kind of I've just like to do that with movies. Um, it was nominated for best director. Mm-hmm. Kind of yep, ironic. Can see that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then um, best original screenplay. It didn't win any Oscars. Well, and then obviously okay. Ed Harris got nominated. So those were the three nominations it received. So really interesting. It's yeah. I don't know. I I guess I don't know much about the the 1998 Oscar lineup. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um, I don't know. I think he. I thought he. It, I could not that surprised. I guess good. I thought he was pretty good. You know, like I said, it depends who else was nominated. Mm-hmm. I suppose that year. But yeah. Right. So now. Uh, they kind of back off the storm just a little bit. Truman climbs back up onto the boat and starts screaming into the wind. Is that the best you can do? You're going to have to kill me. <laughs> Christoph is now actively trying to capsize the boat with the storm and his staff are starting to refuse to do it. Yeah. Um, stuff. <laughs> shout out to Paul Giamatti. He didn't get enough uh, screen time in this movie. I know. I was really disappointed. <laughs> we didn't see more of him. <laughs> um, Play, plays plays like the ultimate scumbag. He's amazing. Well, but he's the one who finally says, I'm not going to make push the storm any further. So he has his right. hero moment, right. even if it's after yeah. doing a bunch of terrible things. <laughs> it's like Anakin, you know, killing all the younglings, but he gets one last moment of redemption way at the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so finally, the sun starts to peek out. Uh, Truman is on the uh, on the boat and coughs up water and continues to sail onward. The front of the boat eventually hits the wall of the dome and, like, pokes a <laughs> hole through. And along the edge is, like, a, a catwalk kind of thing around the edge of the water. He gets out and finds that there are blue, like, painted stairs, like the sky, built into the wall of the dome. He walks up them and finds a door-marked exit and opens the door. From here, Chris... Oh, go so- ahead. I have just a big question here. So once they realized that the storm would not kill him, did he intentionally send him to said staircase 
because if it had like there had to be something because or were there just a bunch of those staircases i think he because this, we're supposed to just accept it scott i think okay it's, it's a little <laughs> lucky <laughs> i it's such a big structure that like did he just happen to end where the door was There's probably and, more than one like, i would guess yeah yeah, yeah may, maybe that's the case or because i was kind of going towards this is where um you know ed harris with that god complex wanted him to like say i want to stay in the show or leave like he wanted to have that live broadcast decision yeah and that's kind of what this was but maybe that's a good point i didn't think of it like that i will just say one thing um kind of ask you guys this question even if you were starting to assume something was up which clearly truman did everything you've known shatters as soon as the tip of that boat hits that wall Mm -hmm. like it's it's yeah. it's now real like first it's just assumptions in your head but now truly like everything is like <laughs> your world is just completely mm. you know made up so like i don't know that had to just be terrifying and you can see it jim carrey does an amazing job even now he's like he was happy he made it through the storm but like now he's truly scared he's I banging think. on like, the wall and he's, yeah, he breaks down crying against the edge was, of the dome that was pretty <laughs> tough yeah and this is where christoph like takes the mic and this to me was god complex here from the sun (laughs) the big booming voice he's talking to truman telling him that he's the star of a show uh truman shouts out to the sky was nothing real Kristoff says you were real that's what made you so good to watch there's no more truth out there than in the world i created for you uh and gives him one last chance to stay in the show and Truman then responds with, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Mm-hmm. He bows and steps out of the dome. Outside the show, uh, all the viewers, everyone is cheering. They're so happy for him in this way. Kristoff is obviously de- uh, devastated. Sylvia runs out of her house to go find him. I thought that was an interesting thing because <laughs> we have no idea where she is. Um, and the last line, I believe, is Kristoff saying, cease transmission. Well, actually, we also get the two security guard guys saying there's got to be something oh, else. Which right. is, that is so perfect. <laughs> I though. loved it. I it's loved like, it. It's amazing. This show that has just encapsulated everybody for the last 30 years, but like as soon as it's over, it's just like, ah, what else is yeah, on? Yeah, because like, for Kristoff, like... it was Kristoff's whole life, and he assumed yeah. everybody else too, but they're just like, eh, all right, well, move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Right. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I think I think that really encapsulates our need for instant gratification as as TV that we watch. So it was just it was a great way to kind of say like, yeah, that was good, but what's next? Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. And how fickle we are as audience because during the cap or during the storm, people were like you mentioned earlier taking bets. So yeah, we're quick to to want to <laughs> see the drama, but then cheer for them like a few minutes later. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty, do we want to roll right into scores, folks? Yeah, I can I can start. Um I think that, you know, just this conversation that we had, like, has opened up so many little things that I missed in this movie. We talk about a couple movies that, you know, get the M word. This to me is in the masterpiece category simply because of the conversations that have evolved from it like i i can think of five different times i like looked up from my notes and looked at you guys in this in this podcast I was like oh i didn't even notice that and 
and Amber, you had mentioned you'd watched it three times. I'm sure you picked up something new each There's time in it. There's so like, much oh, in my yeah. notes I didn't even get to say. <laughs> right. And, and, For sure. And, like, to me, that that's the sign of such, such a great movie that I feel like this is one I'd definitely want to rewatch. And I think it's a, it's an easy 10 out of 10 for me because I can't think of anything that's that's like it. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about WandaVision now, but um, to have to have Jim Carrey in this role do such a, a fun job with it where he, he can switch from being serious back to being funny Jim Carrey and, you know, just the whole entire God complex you've got going on with it. Everything is just so much fun to actually talk about, to think about. So easy... Easy call, 10 out of 10 for me. Amber, you want to give us your score? I'm going to have to agree. I mean, I picked it, obviously, but I I definitely love ones that are creative, original concepts that have never been done before. Um, All the little clues in there that there's so many layers, you watch it again and new things pop up. Um, I I also give it a 10. I have to. And Anthony? Uh... (laughs) <laughs> do three in a row um i'll give it a 10 out of 10 i just if you're talking about what you look for in movies i'm like this wouldn't even this wouldn't make like like i'm saying a top 10 of mine favorite but it's still an amazing movie and i'm not gonna knock it just because it's not my you know genre of movie that i like but you can't argue with just this conversation we had for the last two hours you know it brought up so many thought-provoking ideas and we were all able to kind of have different interpretations of the movie itself and i think that's exactly what you're looking for um every time you sit down to watch a movie so i think it accomplished everything it set out to uh yeah 10 for me i agree with a lot of what you guys are saying i really really liked this movie on my first watch he's through. giving no, it no, a no. nine i can tell <laughs> i can tell it's an eight. is that why you eight. saved yourself for last uh no it wasn't why because i didn't know what scores you guys were gonna give it i know it uh, coming right out of the movie i gave it a seven i'm gonna say that now but after talking through it i had to make a game day decision to raise my score because there are so many things like you guys said that i hadn't thought of that you brought up and that made me love the movie even more. I think it's really rewatchable. I thought it was fun, but at times Jim Carrey was a little bit too kooky for what I thought mm-hmm. could have been a really great, serious movie. So I am giving it a nine. Um, oh, wow. Two point raise on it, day it was, of score. It was a big raise now that we've talked about it. And it makes me really want to go back and see it as soon as possible. Can yeah. I... Okay. pop in here and make a suggestion to have you guys all watch something that i think you're all going to really like absolutely okay absolutely. on netflix there is a documentary about jim carrey um while he was making the movie man on the moon where mm-hmm. he's andy kaufman and a lot of the truman show clips of it and him speaking of it is in it and it's it's amazing it, it just shows the brilliance of how he gets into character um i think that since you've watched this I really think you guys would. It's called Jim and Andy, the Great Beyond, um, about about how he gets into character and his whole behind the scenes. And I just think it's it's worth a watch since they mentioned this movie quite a bit in there. Cool. That's super cool. I think a long, I think a long time. When did this come 98. out? No, the the um, the oh documentary. the documentary. I didn't write that down because I did think I watched like 
10 minutes of it at some point and i think it was when i was coming home from the bars one night and i was very intrigued by it but then i passed out <laughs> and never got back around to it so i think i and i think i was like whoa that was crazy because there was some crazy scene where he was getting into character and it was so bizarrely cool so i'm definitely definitely glad you said that because i just had like a flashback of me after like four red bull vodkas <laughs> sitting at home like enjoying something right about to pass out i mean so it's i wrote a lot of notes just on that documentary alone so a lot of the truman show is referenced it's not about the truman show but it's it's worth it yeah okay cool good absolutely with that well, do we want to announce what we're doing next yeah um so episode 23 is gonna be another old work colleague aj is gonna be on the show to talk about snowpiercer and if you know anything about aj is jim am i right to say he's like the king of controversial i'd say that's true if i have hot takes uh aj's are even hotter his are nuclear yeah, it, it, it's all he's always the guy where it's like you're at the table. Good movie, good movie. It was shit. That's AJ. <laughs> so I think it's gonna make for a really uh, a really fun fun podcast. I've never seen Snowpiercer. Have you? I have. You, anybody here seen Snowpiercer? Yeah. Okay, you. That am I like in a minority here that hasn't it's, seen it? I feel like it's a little it's, under the radar. Yeah, definitely. So is it a movie? It is. Yeah, well, they, well, made, yeah, a sh- no they shit. made a show about it now, though, too, oh, on, okay. like, TNT okay. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But okay. the director directed, um, Par- gosh, Parasite. I can't think of his bon name, Jun but he Hall. directed Paris. Yeah, and Parasite, I think we should do on the pod. Is an I love movie. Parasite. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. Um, okay. So, yeah, he's, he's a terrific director, and Snowpiercer is definitely like an underrated movie i'd say so is it still on netflix okay. it is I on think. netflix as yeah. of like last night okay Sh- shout out quick to to amber and aj for not making me spend like 199 like i have to on most movies <laughs> that we watch so it, it was nice to since i have prime to get that free that free watch because man i'm breaking the bank here you know two dollars a week oh man can you we can talk just lay off taco bell one night scott on you'd prime. be okay when you pause it and it pops up the cast of who's in I like that, that scene, yeah. it's awesome. Like it I wish nice. all well, streaming services would implement that. It's got something called X Vision that you can turn on on some of them too, yeah. doesn't it? Where like it puts facts on the side. Mm-hmm. That to me is like a little too much, but if you know, for our podcast sake, it's kind of kind of a little gem where I can pull something right from IMDb. Well, and that's because Amazon but, uh, owns IMDb. Oh, mm-hmm. does it really? Okay, well, that's interesting. So they own everything. Pretty much. Cool. Um, okay, and then uh, we uh, episode 24, we just announced we'll do uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm a little disappointed, guys, because I had always said that for episode 23, we'd do the number 23 with Jim Carrey. Oh, um, yeah. So, shoot. But we'll come back to that at episode 120 when we get there um but okay so before we end before we end first jim where can you reach us on social as always you can follow us on twitter at weave underscore scene underscore that you can like us on facebook or email us at scene that podcast at gmail.com again that's s-c-e-n-e that podcast at gmail.com feel free to send us your thoughts if you watch the movie this week it's clear that there is a lot to discuss and if we wanted to talk for four more hours about this movie i think we could oh yeah easily for sure easily um what now before we finish i i want to ask 
everybody's Valentine's Day plans. But first, Amber, can I guess what your guys' is going to be? You can guess. Is it pizza from Papa Murphy's? That was last night. Oh, <laughs> oh. The, the heart shaped. You talking heart shaped pizza from? Yes, yes that yes. was last night. <laughs> okay, good guess. Right. Very good I, guess. I know. I know Ben well when it comes to the Papa Murphy's it's a love. Pizza so I, I just wanted. Yeah, I just wanted to because he would always be so fired up for when that was dinner for you guys uh, at home when he had coupons <laughs> and things like that. So, they know him uh, there. They, they know, know him right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we and and I want to tell one more quick story. Um, when we were we would go I'd be at work and we'd be getting Pizza Ranch for for lunch. Ben would always be super pissed because uh, it it'd be the chicken and mashed potatoes, and he'd be like, "Why are we getting Pizza Ranch if you're not going to exactly. give us pizza?" Like it got me every time. <laughs> so. Um, but Anthony, any any Valentine's Day plans? I don't know. We might just stay in. It's cold as shit out, so uh, yep. we'll just probably yep. cook some. I might grill up some steaks or something, make some steaks, and do a little surf and turf or something. I don't know. We have decided. Okay. So, and Amber, what are your actual Jim? plans since you guys did pizza last yeah. night? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, spoiling that's spoiling the, the kids, <laughs> keeping them happy. Yeah, it's, it's an overrated holiday to me um, because... yesterday we were gonna go somewhere to eat my gosh you you couldn't get in anywhere we kind of like eventually just gave up and um i would i forgot even where we we got fast food instead because like every place we were calling oh it's a two-hour wait how can you tell me a wait is two hours long like that's unreal to me limited seating with covid too anyway now it's yeah all i wanted to do was give a place my money they didn't want it like that's what i kept telling cassie i'm like no none of these places oh papa murphy's heart pizzas were waiting there There for you I should have. I should. That's that. Maybe that's today's. Well, and that's what we were thinking about doing. Apparently, there's a deal today. Like, buy a large pizza and an appetizer, get two free slices of cheesecake or something. So that may be okay. what Angie and I do for today. But the only request she had was that we make brownies today. So we may be doubling up on desserts. Yeah, that's fine. F- fun. Th- Fun fact: While we were um, while we were recording, Cassie did like that Valentine's Day challenge on Facebook or whatever. It's stupid. I, all these challenges are not challenges; they're just ways to talk about yourself. But um, one of the comments said, "He's uh, who's who's the better cook?" And and Cassie put, "I am," but he does all the cooking, which is probably the most accurate thing in the world. And my buddy from college commented, "Did you try his brownies?" And why he commented that was because freshman year of college i made brownies and set the fire alarm off of all of our dorm room and uh the middle two brownies were edible the rest was like hard as a rock because it basically lit on fire i was just trying to i was trying to show off to everybody that i'd cook everyone a meal ended up being a shitty spaghetti and burnt brownies so nice um, that's my brownie story but yeah. awesome uh, but definitely want to say thank you to amber you were a great guest oh. we will absolutely we will have you back anytime thank you for um, the invitation I, this was an awesome movie pick and like like i like i said in my review just some of the points everybody pointed out here i feel like we could like anthony said talk about this for like four hours so i appreciate awesome. it it was fun it was it was a good time good spending valentine's day with you guys <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you 
right. um, So that ends our 22nd episode of the We've Seen That podcast. As always, I'm Scott. I'm Anthony. I'm Jim. And roll credits. Thank you.